Hello, and welcome back to 30 Minutes of My Mind. Now, over the last couple days, I've been kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do for the next episode, because as we all know, I do it when I'm driving home from work, so I don't really prep during the day. It just kind of comes to me whenever. Um, But I wanted to get one out. I wanted to get a video, and that idea of wanting to is what I decided to go with for today. And... It's not necessarily the idea of wanting to, because the word want is kind of dull, whereas the word I wanted to use for today was desire, and the idea of desiring something. Now, usually things when it comes for people trying to get a hold of something when they say they want, um, it really falls into two categories. Yes, there is that want category, that desire, but there's also the needs. We need certain things. um, And we want certain things that we don't necessarily need. Now, what is the difference? Um, The textbook difference is needing is something you have to have to survive. Now, there are plenty of things in the world you need to survive. You need food, water, shelter, sleep, those sort of things. But there's a lot of things you don't need. Because textbook-wise, do you need clothing to survive? No, you don't need to wear clothes to survive. But we do it. It's a social norm. I would say you do need clothes if you're going out in public because it's illegal not to wear them in most places. But in the strict textbook survival of need, you don't need it. It's a desire it's, or it's a want. I, I should say it's a want because desire is more of the topic I'm going into. And that split of want and need that you learn as a little kid, that's, I mean... It comes down to, and my old math teacher in high school used to always say this whenever you're like, hey, I need this. He'd always turn to us and say, the only thing you need to do in life is die. And that might seem a little bit morbid, a little twisted, but it has truth to it. Because even if you say, hey, I need water, well, you don't need it. It's just you would die without it. And that's the idea of survivability, need But people say, oh, you have to pay taxes. You need to pay taxes. No, you don't. It's just the government will take everything away from you and you will die if you don't pay them. You need to breathe. Oh, you don't need to. You can force yourself not to until you die and then you have to die. You don't have a choice there. Um, But it's the idea. Our body has an innate desire to survive. And that's where that word comes in, is those needs are to fulfill that desire. Every desire creates new needs. So human beings innately want to live. We want to survive. A lot of people are afraid of the idea of death. Um, People don't want to die. They don't desire death. Um, And that's where you create those needs to meet that desire. Each individual desire has a need to be met. Each individual desire may be a want, 
but those wants create new needs and that's where the idea of desire that I want to come into today is. I know I talk a lot about with me fitness running. Um, I have body dysmorphia. That's one of those things I struggle with where when I wake up in the morning I have to look at myself in the mirror and get the angle just right to see if my body to me is acceptable for the day. I have a habit of that. And that desire my body creates through that to be in as as ideal of shape as I can be creates needs. I meal prep for the day. All of my eating is planned out to the almost minute that I will be eating, eating certain things so that I have just the right amount of food and calories to meet my running requirements and fitness, but not go over so I don't build unnecessary weight. And it's not necessarily, it used to be almost a snowball effect where I would only eat certain things and I'd be very stingy and it was more of a, I don't go over a certain number of calories, which is always a good measure, but not to the point I was doing it. And I would work out a ton to compensate for any calories I did eat. Now, that's normally how weight loss goes. But personally, my body fat levels hover from very low 4% to sometimes high 3% up to, on a bad day, maybe 5 And those are very slim margins that are often unhealthy. But... I know dieting and meals so that I'm not losing too much muscle as I keep that uh, fat very low. I still keep my performance high, my muscle high. It's just running very, very lean and cutting out most foods that lead to fat gain once I've lost it because I will very rarely eat anything dessert-wise or sugary. I avoid most processed sugars. Um, before just recently, I was avoiding a lot of carbs and gluten. I was doing more just fats and proteins, things to build up muscle. Cause that was one of the things where, although I mentally wouldn't let myself bulk up in fat to build heavier muscle, I was eating foods that lead to muscle gain so I could eat as little food as I wanted to and still get some returns. But, and that was out of my desire to avoid gaining fat while still trying to build muscle. And now I've switched to I'm a very carb-heavy diet. So foods before that I would be terrified of, I'm eating because with my desire to be a marathon runner, I need the glucose in my muscles created by the sugars and carbohydrates in order to successfully run the distances I need to. Because if my diet was still that high fat and protein diet, my body's digestion wouldn't be running right, I'd be sick to my stomach after runs, I would not have the necessary fuel in my body to go longer distances, and it would end up being a lot more detrimental to keep that diet. So I had to research, I had to find out what does my body need to fuel it to be as successful as I can to meet this desire. What are the needs I must fulfill 
in order to reach the desire I have, that want. I want to be this, so to be this, I need to do this. It's it's always the want. That want, that desire creates a path you need to follow because a lot of people say, um, hey, I want to do this or I want to achieve this. They have that idea in their head that they want to reach out and accomplish something, but they don't want to put in that effort, the things they need to do to meet that condition. And I've struggled with that a lot during my life. I mean, heck, that idea of I wanted to build up muscle and build up a a stronger physique but I refuse to meet the needs diet in my diet to achieve that. I refuse to allow myself short-term fat gains for long-term muscle growth because mentally I couldn't handle the image of myself in the mirror if I would do the bulking. I would look at myself and feel ashamed of my body And that was two clashing desires of I desired to, I had a desire for muscle growth and body physique build, but I also had a desire to meet that very slim, almost no fat look in the mirror every morning. And that fear of, or that desire to not gain any fat won over where I was still working out, I was gaining some strength, but it was a lot slower and not as noticeable in terms of gains. And a lot of people have those clashing desires in life. They want to do something, but they end up doing something that, well, they still want to do because they did it, but they don't meet the needs of the one thing they really wanted to focus on. Um, Another example for me is I play video games, I do art, I try writing and all that, but one of them always ends up winning out, and it falls back, in my opinion, to habit. Some of the hardest things in life to break are habits, and those habits can often inhibit the desires we have to grow. Because... If I have a video game, and I don't like to say the word addicted to playing it, but it's a very love-hate relationship where you never really leave satisfied with it, but you keep coming back for more. And that game's League of Legends for anyone who knows it, and is a cesspool, but it's a cesspool that we I will keep going back to over and over again, just because it's a habit. It's something I've done for years now and I've just gotten so used to that being there whereas I want to go into more games with story but I notice hey I don't really have the time to dedicate to that so instead I'll play one or two half hour long games a night of this game instead because I know safely I can fit that in instead of oh I get lost in this immersive fantasy world Or I start watching a show and binging it, and then I look at the clock and, oh no, I'm only getting five hours of sleep tonight. And I know some people, they hear that five hours of sleep and they say, ha, that's my normal night. What's wrong with five hours of sleep? 
And I come back to that with the desire I have to wake up in the morning every day not feeling like I want to collapse. Um, I'm one of those people that will try to shoot for eight hours every single night. Now, if I'm on an opening shift, I end up usually with six hours just because the way my sleep schedule works. Um, My sleep schedule usually ends up with me falling asleep around 11.30 every night. So on nights I wake up at 7.30 to 8, I get my eight hours in. But days I have to wake up at 5.30, I only get six. But those days I usually can compensate with some tea in the morning, caffeinated, of course, and I can get on with my day. But if I fall into that trap of, oh, I binged something, now I only have four or five hours of sleep, well, one desire, one out over the other, and I face the consequences of that. And that's another part of desire I want to segue into, is the idea of consequences. Now, I've talked about what a desire is, and I use that word want a lot because a desire really is, at its base, a want. You want to do something, so you desire it. You have a motivation to reach that thing. Um, And I talked about you need to do something to meet them. It's like a goal. You have to follow steps to reach your desired outcome. But with every desire or the outcome towards it, there are consequences, good and bad. People hear consequences and they think of, oh, trouble, bad, not good. But consequences can be good, good and bad. Um, A consequence is just what happens after something is done. And your desires and your actions taken to them have consequences. That consequence may be you achieved what you wanted and you got it in the almost ideal scenario. Good for you. But it can also be, oh no, another desire won out and now I feel less of myself, or not even less of yourself, but you feel empty because you didn't meet what you wanted to. You didn't get that desire fulfilled. And it just kind of leaves you out there where you're like, man... I really wish I could have done this, but as people, we can't go back in time to change it. And that's where, although we have small, pretty, inconsequential desires every day, like, what do you want to eat? That's a pretty common question. Everyone's like, oh, I don't care. I don't know. I mean, you do. You have a preference. You have foods you like over others, but no one wants to have that feeling of, um, being the one to choose because when you choose what to eat, there's always might be someone that's not happy with that option and you don't want to be the person you don't have a You have a desire not to be the person that makes that person upset. Um, like, Hey, someone wanted burgers, but you got pizza because no one would decide. So you just chose pizza, but Jeff two doors down from you or two cubicles down or whatever, he actually really wanted the burger option, but he just didn't feel like speaking up because he didn't want to upset anyone because he knew other people wanted pizza, but now he's upset. No one wants to be the person that makes Jeff upset. 
So a lot of people's desire to fit in, to be comfortable in their surroundings will often trump that desire of, oh, I want this to eat because that's not really high up on the scale. Social hierarchy often trumps your sense of taste in that case. And that's pretty cut and dry, um, easy to tell for most people. But there are also other ones that are a little bit more um, not really clear cut because you have desires like in my case when I decided to move down to Florida um, my choice of when to move down was kind of up in the air for the longest time because I wanted to stay in Wisconsin get my teacher's license start working in schools but I also wanted to go back to the place I knew I had people around my age that I was comfortable with and that I didn't have to restart my social life over. And I also had to weigh the idea of I wanted to be with my parents because it was a safe, low-cost way to live where I could save up money so that eventually, hey, I could put a down payment or I could just create savings so that when I do move out, I'm in a really safe spot versus, hey, if I move now, the market might be recovering. I've got a good chance to get into a place pretty cheap. And hey, I've got roommates that are looking for things. It was that opportunity. And I had to weigh all of these options in a relatively short period of time because I did decide on a lot of this. It was over about a two-month period, which is a pretty short amount of time when you're determining your almost entire future. And I was on and off about trying to figure this out, getting things set up with roommates, and I actually set a move down date in secret from my parents that was in November. But then I had a little bit of a run-in where I ended up, my dad was upset because I wasn't really working at the time and he felt I was wasting my life. So he got a little bit aggressive with how he was handling the situation and gave me almost an ultimatum, but it was in a way that he knew would push my buttons and he pushed it in a way that I said, you know what, fine. I signed up for an Airbnb for the month that was split between when I was supposed to move down and then, and I said, okay, I'm leaving Monday. This was on a Friday and I did. It was over a weekend, it flipped a switch and I left. A month earlier than originally planned and it was very short notice, but I fit what I I wanted in my car and I got out of there. That desire to be on my own, to escape what I felt trapped in or that desire to come down to Florida and change my entire life one out heavily over staying in a more safe, secure environment. Now that could have been I was young, I had savings, so I felt like I was comfortable in doing so at the time. Um, but now I definitely think it was the right choice. Um, I was looking back in retrospect, part of my desire to stay in Wisconsin where I'm from was I have elderly grandparents and great aunt and uncle that live up there and they're all in their 80s and 
not in the best health for quite a few of them. And it's one of those where we look out and it's, we're preparing for what's going to happen with that. And we were before. Um, One of the things I did every single week while I was up there was we had a poker night. If you could call it poker. And that was me and four older people, all in their 80s, a couple of which who don't have the strongest memory anymore, and the other two can't really hear at all. Um, And everyone who dealt got to choose new rules for the game. So sometimes it's five card with threes and nines wild. Sometimes it's seven card with only twos wild. Sometimes it's seven card again, but now it's threes and nines are wild. Four is an extra card. Sometimes you have to pay for the extra card. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to pay for a wild card. So if you get a wild card, in order to use it as a wild, you had to pay. All these other little things added up to, they all forgot what games we were playing, and I was playing five different poker hands at once, which when you're betting at the same time, it was with change. So nickels and dimes and quarters. That's what we would bet. But some nights, it wasn't hard to walk away with $15, $20 in change because you know exactly what they all have. And it was more at that point like a luck-based thing where it was, okay, you've got two people that both have two pair. Let's see if anyone gets a full house. And that's what you were more betting on was the fun chance that, oh, they flip over a card and they win or you win. It all comes down to that final card. That's where most of the betting happened because if it was serious poker and we were trying to bluff each other, it would be a completely different story. Now, one of them did keep trying to bluff and playing it a little bit serious when it came to betting, but I always ended up playing his cards for him anyways, so he could never bluff, but it was kind of fun. Hair pulling at times, but it in my mind, it was the right thing to do. Now, did some weeks I totally not want to go? Of course, my desire was I want to stay online with my friends and not have anything to do with babysitting poker night for four hours. I really didn't want to go sometimes. But that desire to make it up to my family because I felt an obligation, a desire to appease them, I would do it anyways. It's the same with I did basically all of their yard work after a while because my grandpa couldn't really do it anymore and it was the right thing to do. I had that desire of obligation. And over time, it made me feel trapped, and that's what I look at in retrospect, was there was a lot of things I didn't want to do. My desire was stronger to not do them, and I had to think of why that was. And in the end, it came to my true desire was to go back to the life I had when I was living in college, that idea of freedom, of being around people my own age. And that just the need to do that or the needs for that couldn't be accomplished in Wisconsin. I couldn't truly be happy. Could I meet other desires and obligations? Yeah. But would I ever be happy? No. There really wasn't a single condition for me 
that would meet the needs of being happy. It would there's no way to meet my desire of having a normal social life with people my own age and ways that I could be me. I didn't feel like I could be myself in my parents' home because all of my hobbies and different things were so different from anything my family did. I really had nothing in common with anyone. And it makes you feel, although you're around a bunch of people that care about you, makes you feel so severely isolated or made me feel so severely isolated that it felt like a suffocating cage and I had to get out of it. And now I'm a lot happier with how I've ended up. Um, I was able to meet the needs of my desire. Now, some people are not able to do that. And I empathize with that because I was fortunate enough that I had some savings left after I graduated college. I didn't have any debt because I didn't pay, I didn't have to pay tuition with my scholarships. Um, I was in a very fortunate situation where I didn't have to pay much in rent to my parents. I basically had to cover my cell phone and car insurance. That's it. So I was paying about $200, $250 a month to live at home in a comfortable situation. And I was making roughly $2,000 a month after tax because I was working at $17 an hour for a bit. And then I went up to a salary of, I believe, 39 But I was safely bringing in after paying off my bills and stuff. I was saving up two grand a month for a little while. And that was that led to me, before I moved down, I had saved up $30,000 in my bank account. I had that much, no debts on anything, no credit cards. I had $30,000 that I could take and change my life with. A lot of people never get that chance, so I was fortunate. And I used that to move down here. Now, do I still have that much money? No. It is incredibly expensive to uproot your entire life. But you can do it for less if you really try and meet those needs and really focus on it. Like I said, mine was a split decision. So I lost a lot of that. But my desire to get out of that situation and to move was strong enough that I said, hey, this safety net, if there was ever a time to use it, now is the time. So, but for those who don't have that opportunity, that are still at home, because in my current company, I've met so many kids that just want to move out. They want to get to a place where they can work for enough money where they can get out. Now, working at my company, a lot of them are still in high school or the ones that are out of high school. They're not really making enough to live on their own down here. But it's good because a lot of them have families that are taking care of them. They just want that feeling of independence. So they're a little impatient. But at the same time, I look at where they are at. And more often than not, they cannot meet the needs to fulfill their desire to make those moves. Because what they're making at our company... It's not enough to live on on their own with the hours they get. And most of them could not get a job somewhere else because 
well, that's the point of our business is to employ people that otherwise often would not be able to be employed. And some of them do try to get jobs elsewhere and we encourage it. We encourage them to graduate, as we say it, from our company and go out into the world and show what they can do, show the benefits they have for other companies. Now, are they always successful? No. And in that case, we welcome them back with open arms a lot of the time. But some of them are successful. And that is our desire as a company is to create employable people that previously would have had problems getting jobs elsewhere. Um, And that's what drew me into that company. That's what created a strong desire to go into it because I was always fascinated by the Spectrum community and not the cable company, the people on the autism spectrum because it is such a wide and unique variety of people because you get people from high functioning um, which I fall into that category where they are comfortable with other people they're high functioning in reading writing math all of that in my case it's really only a little bit of social ineptitude I would say but I've done a lot of things to mitigate that but for some and some of the people working with me even it's much more apparent and it's a lot harder for them as people to be accepted in the world and that's why the company I'm in right now is a huge deal to me is they have a genuine desire they have a genuine want to help people no matter where they fall on that spectrum to be successful in their own way. Now, we're about out of time, so as I drive into my complex and I finish off my evening commute, I'll leave you with one final thought. And that thought is don't just think about anything you want as a true desire. What you need to do and what I need to do as well is you need to sit down, lay down, however you want to do it, and just think what is important to you? What matters enough that you are willing to put in the work to meet the needs set forth by that thing that's important to meet those and to be successful with them. And I don't want to say it's a homework assignment because that makes it sound like I'm a teacher trying to make you do work, but the idea that I want you to be successful, I want you to meet those desires in the most ideal way you can and share them with the world. Be able to get that out there and not only make yourself successful, but potentially help others reach their goals, their desires, their wants as well. Um, As Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. I believe that was him. If if I misquoted that, I'm sorry. But um, it was on a mural in my school growing up and a lot of people like that quote. But be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the one who can 
find the needs in their desires and meet them and even help others achieve theirs as well. That ding is the sound of me not wearing my seatbelt as I drive through my complex because I had to take it off. So as I click that back into place, I will let you go for today, tonight, whenever you're listening. I hope you enjoyed this as I know I did. And I can't wait to see you next time.